1: All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 43. Andrew and I are going to be talking about some beginning stuff. We're going to go back to the beginning and talk about some basics. As my baseball coach used to say, it's all about the basics, and we used to drill it into our heads every single week. But it works, it helped. It helped us a lot. We were a good team and we won a lot of games, and so it was awesome. So, I think going back to the basics is always a great thing, and you can never know enough. And it's always good to just kind of learn the foundation and kind of build from there. So, without any further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Andrew, and he's going to chat a little bit about a stock.
2: Yeah, let's talk about stocks. I mean, if there was a way to change the archive so this would be the first one, and people could just kind of follow a progression, that would be awesome. Uh, Hopefully, this is. An episode that we can reference in the future and and tell people, Hey, if, if you're completely beginner and you want to understand how the stock market works and why it works the way it does and what it all means from the most basic perspective, hopefully this episode will cover that. So basically, you know, we talk about this a lot, how a stock is part ownership of a company. But you know, what, what does that mean exactly? What is the stock market? At all. And, and, you know, why does it even exist? So you have to think about the way the business world works for a minute. And I'm not going to use the lemonade example because I feel like everybody uses a lemonade stand. So let's say you have a coffee shop. It's, it's very successful. You got the, a line out the door and, and demands really, really high to grow the business. You have a couple of options as the business owner. You can use cash, which might take a little while because you need to collect more cash, save it up and use that to, to build a new store or a new shop or whatever. Or, you know, you could go to the bank, get a loan, have to pay interest on that loan, and then you, you could buy a store right away. Or you can do what these public companies are doing now in the stock market where you're giving ownership away of your business to get cash. And so what's nice about that is it, it can get you a lot more cash as a business than you can get from like a business loan it creates explosive growth so where regular growth and and growth from cash might be kind of linear and, and limited this can give you when we talk about compound interest when stuff's exponential and and things just blow blow up out of proportion if you ever watch shark tank you'll see that um In order to, you know, these investors want to see really substantial growth and they want to make sure that their money is going to really multiply. So, okay, now we see these different ways that businesses can fund and grow. Why would an investor want to give the business cash, right? If you are an investor, it would be nice to get a guaranteed return. So you could be like the bank and you could give away cash and just get like a set interest rate. But what makes giving cash away for part ownership so appealing is that you're, you're doing it in the hopes that the business will make that explosive growth that that the business owner is promising. And what that will do is grow that cash that you gave them that they'll be able to return that back in dividends, right? So the investors will give that cash to the business and the business is going to grow and to whatever scale that the business can grow, that investor will see their capital grow as well. So obviously, you know, if, if the business can triple in growth and, and triple in, in its real value, then as an investor and somebody who's part owner, you're going to see the value of that money triple as well. So that just basically that's on the basic scale of kind of how the business world works and as it relates to Giving away part ownership, giving away shares, and how the stock market creates wealth. And so at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. It's about business owners have a problem, and that's lack of capital. But, you know, they might have ways to create capital. Um, They might be maybe short on time and they want to accelerate the growth. And investors have their own issue, right? Like they have capital. But they don't necessarily have the resources to make that capital grow or to make it work. So, so it's it's a real symbiotic relationship, and it works really well. And it's really a primary driver of how capitalism works so well is because of this this relationship that that is able to combine resources and and combine the different things of different individuals. And then when you get to the Wall Street level, you see it basically on steroids and it's just trillions of dollars of capital floating around and it grows at such a big scale and it can really i mean it can make a lot of people wealthy and and, and it has and the, you know the, the pension funds yes nowadays we talk about how they're not really around anymore but you know you still have pensions for the teachers and the firefighters and and the public service people and you know where are those pensions coming from well they're coming from the stock market they're coming from businesses around the country and around the world that are making profits you look around it's it's the mcdonald's it's the walmart it's it's all these businesses that we've seen and and they've been around for such a long time and and it's just a big circle and it really is almost like a circle of life type of deal in a sense and and I think it's it's a big part of what the stock market really is and it's so integrated into everybody's life. It's just we're because there's no education, there's nobody explaining how how like the system kind of works, then we're not aware how much of a part of it we are and how much we can benefit from it. So obviously one way that the general public kind of benefits from the way the stock market works and the business world works is is like I said with the pensions. But another way is is if you take the initiative yourself and, and you open the four hundred one k, you open an IRA, you buy some stocks yourself, and all of a sudden now you're on that you're on that team of along with the business, and and they're going to grow profits and do things and you know create caramel macchiatas and and all these <laughs> I didn't pronounce that right. Obviously, I don't order those, but you know they come out with these new products and and these new innovations and as a fellow shareholder, you can benefit from all those things. And so it really is a bunch of people around the globe kind of all teaming up, maybe not so much aware that they are teaming up, combining resources and doing more together than any one person can do alone. But that's really when you get down to the very, very roots of what the stock market is, what the stock is and what investing is and how it creates money. It's not just this magical thing, like a coin slot where you put money in and five nickels come out. These are the things that are working behind the scenes. And if you can kind of understand that, then it can give you more of a confidence to, to kind of move forward. So I think there's, there's, there's so many different ways that it kind of works, but you know, I, I really do think it's, it's a big part of our lives and it's something that can really benefit it if we take that step and and try to learn at least enough to make progress with that
1: question for you so if you buy a stock of mcdonald's does that make you an
2: owner of the company technically right i mean you're a part owner in a way you, you obviously don't control the whole thing but yes that's that's what having shares is is as a part owner you are entitled to the earnings that the company makes and so at the most basic level, a company will pay part of their earnings out in what's called a dividend. So those are cash payments that you get, and as long as the business is alive and you're holding shares, you're going to get those cash payments. And what's beautiful about it is that oftentimes these dividend payments grow over time. So if you partner up, quote unquote, with with a strong business like a McDonald's or a Walmart or you know any any of the major companies that are out there, you can have an income stream. And, you know, we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago with the richest man in Babylon and he really goes in, in depth into creating income streams and how that's a key to building wealth. So each little dividend stock you buy is going to give you an income stream. And as long as that company stays alive, that income stream could potentially be growing. And then you could be taking those dividends and kind of planting seeds everywhere and and just grow really multiplying the amount of streams that you have coming in and it it can really make a big difference in your wealth and your standard of living and and all of those things but you have to start somewhere and getting a sense of how the stock market works and and what stocks are is definitely the the first step and, and it's something you can't really skip but there's so much potential as you move forward from that As a finance
1: nerd, you would assume that I have my money game all together. Well, shocker, I didn't. Until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/beginners. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving the product. They release updates every two weeks and allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/beginners. That's m-o-n-a-r-c-h m-o-n-e-y.com/beginners for a extended 30-day free trial. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have, I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, stop stressing over your money, a simple budgeting solution where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to everyone's talking money podcast on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So what else do you get as a shareholder or a stock owner of, you know, let's say McDonald's to keep, you know, using them. So I, I understand you get a dividend from it and, you know, you, you mentioned earnings. So let's talk a little bit about that. What's, what is that?
2: Yes. So at the most basic level, earnings is going to be the difference between what a company brings in and what it, what it pays out to to bring that money in. So think of a McDonald's, right? You have money that they're getting from the customers coming in. I want to buy a cheeseburger. I want to buy fries. I want to buy a soda. So McDonald's has to pay for a lease, right, on the on the property to to have their restaurant on there. They have to pay for workers. They have to pay for the buns, the the burgers, all those things. They have to pay for commercials. So however much money they bring in from those cash registers on any given day. And then you subtract how much they paid out just to keep the business running, and that's going to give you your earnings. Uh, earnings are just another nice way of saying you know profit. What's nice about it as beginners is we can look at how much a company is earning, and, and we can look up that information for, for every company that's on the stock market. It's all available, and really there's like three main metrics that you want to keep in mind. Um, you have earnings, you have book value, and you have cash. So I just explained what earnings is in the most basic sense. It's just a company's profits. You you have cash, which is the same as cash that you may have in your wallet. It really works the same way. It's been convoluted and and really, maybe convoluted isn't the right word, but it's really dissected and, and really examined at a great amount on Wall Street. And there's so many different Things you can do with the cash flow statement and and different analysis that you can kind of follow. But the gist of it really is if you think about really why would a company have cash and it's either they want cash so they can go through like a tough time. Talk about like a McDonald's again. If, if they have a couple days where they're not getting any customers because there's a rumor about whatever, uh, some poison. They're going to need cash to, to continue paying workers, continue paying the lease and all of those things to keep the business alive. Um, so on the ba- most basic sense, that's what cash is for. And then they'll also want to use cash to, to maybe grow the business, buy, buy some land or, or open more restaurants. Thirdly, they, they would want cash to maybe wait for a business to go on sale and they can kind of acquire business and, and grow in that way too. Uh, you see a lot of companies doing that especially recently. So you have earnings, you have cash, and then the last thing you'd want to really understand is book value. And that's just basically what a company owns minus what they owe. So that's assets minus liabilities. In my mind, the easiest way to think of that again is is in the personal finance sense where if you have a house, um, the value of that house is going to be an asset for you. And then that mortgage that you use to buy the house, that's a liability. So you take the difference and that's kind of like your net worth. If you add up all the assets and add up all your liabilities, that's going to be your net worth for business and the company. It's, it's the same thing. Their book value is kind of like their net worth. So the assets they'll kind of bring in will be things like real estate. You know, some companies will instead of renting out. From a business real estate, they'll they'll buy it outright and kind of see that grow in value over time as as real estate does. You'll see them do. They'll they'll have inventory. They'll maybe they'll have factories. Those things are considered assets. Sometimes they have what's called intangible assets and things that like uh, company IP or patents or different competitive advantages that. Aren't necessarily physical in in our physical world, but they are. They do contribute to to companies' profits. So you have those, and then you have liabilities. Things like you know, if a company goes into debt, or if they are whatever costs they incur to to run the business, whether that's short term or long term, you you'll usually see those show up as liabilities. Really, that's that's what you have. You have book value. You have assets, right? And assets create earnings and earnings create cash and cash can be given back to shareholders and all those three things kind of work in a circle and if it's working correctly uh and if it's all not only having this flow of cash come through but it's more accelerating and it's creating more more profits are creating more assets which is creating more cash which is creating more assets which is creating more profits right and and if that's really spiraling upwards in a very positive sense then that's going to benefit shareholders as well because now the value of of that business that they're owning if the business's value is going up your little piece of that business value is also going up and so that's why you'll see stock prices and and the stock prices will change and it's kind of reflective of the business it it doesn't it's not tied to it exactly but it tends to reflect what the business is worth over the long run and so if the business is growing at a really high rate, then that price tends to go up as well. And that that's kind of how the whole market thing works and, and really what's kind of behind all those different terms that you might hear. And when people talk about the stock market and they talk about price, right? And it's not just some sort of game or it's not just some made-up thing. These are things that are all working in tandem with what's going on in the business world and what's going on in real life and they're all, again, circle of life thing. They're all affecting each other and these moving parts that create a big picture. And again, it's your choice if you wanna participate in that or not. But for hundreds of years, it's created tons of wealth, it's created explosive growth, innovative technology, and you would assume it would only even get brighter as the future goes on.
0: Hey you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it.
1: And I, I like the way you were talking about the circle of life and kind of how they're all intertwined. And, you know, when you talk about the three kind of categories that you were describing, when you describe earnings, and when you describe book value, and when you talk about cash, they all come from three different statements that we talk a lot about. That when you read about a company and their 10 k you'll look at the income statement, which is where the earnings will come from. You look at the book value, which is where it comes from the balance sheet, and then the cash will come from the cash flow statement, and all of those flow from one into the other into the other. so as Andrew was saying, it's just kind of a circle of life, so you know as the earnings are you know reported, then that flows into the balance statement, which was flows into the cash statement cash flow statement, excuse me and The thing that I always find interesting is, you know, the Wall Street lists every quarter, they have earnings season, if you will. So every four months, they'll be talking, I'm sorry, every three months, they will be talking about the earnings of McDonald's and they'll talk, they'll go in ad nauseum about that, just a part of it. And it influences very, very much the price on a short term basis. And you can literally drive yourself crazy by following the companies and reading this and listening to the calls and stuff. It is interesting to listen to the calls, to listen to the CEOs talk. You will get a really good sense of the personalities of the people that are involved in running the business that you're a part owner of and it's just, it can be a very interesting, you know, uh, aspect. And, you know, I want to throw a little something out there. I watched a movie on Netflix uh, a couple months ago uh, about Ray Kroc, who was the gentleman who, he didn't start McDonald's, but he took it to what it is now. And he he doesn't come across as a real nice guy in the movie, I'm going to be honest with you. But one of the things that I found really fascinating about it was he realized very, very early on that the hamburger, which was being produced at those restaurants was not the most valuable asset that that company had. He realized very quickly that the real estate that all those restaurants were built on was the most valuable asset. And that became his focus of expanding the company was not trying to sell more hamburgers, was actually trying to buy more land because he realized that that's where the value of the company could come from. And it's proven it's, it's worth in that thought today and what's one of the things that makes McDonald's one of the most valuable companies in the world is because of all the land that they own. And, of course, you know, they sell a lot of hamburgers and a lot of French fries and milkshakes and everything else. But the assets that the company really banks its book value on is the land that it's involved with. And so, you know, all these things that Andrew and I talk about, there are practical applications that you can use, even companies that you're very familiar with. And you can look at these terms like book value and you can look at an asset and go, what is an asset? Well, an asset is like Andrew was saying, it's land or it's the restaurant. It's, you know, it's something that's, that can be tangible. It obviously can be intangible as well. And that's a whole other conversation but these are things that you can use to help you kind of wrap your brain around these terms that we're talking about and I find that for me Personally, it helps me understand some of these concepts when I'm reading about them is to kind of visualize, oh, you know, this is when they're talking about an asset, they're talking about something I could touch, whether it's, you know, a machine in a factory or whether it's a computer or whether it's, you know, a piece of dirt that a building is built on. You know, those are all things that can kind of make sense. So another another part of the, the, the stock market, and I'm not going to talk a lot about this yet because this is something I'm still uh, trying to teach myself. When you're dealing with buying a company, you are investing into the aspect of everything that's involved with a company. So when you buy a company, you're not just buying the product, you're also buying the people that are running it. And Andrew talks a lot about this in his Value Trap Indicator book about the morality of some of the choices that some of these people made, like Enron, for example. You know, they were immoral men, and they did some very, very bad things, and it cost a lot of people a lot of money. And when we talk about risk, that's one of the aspects that we we haven't really talked a lot about, but those are one of the, some of the risks. When you're investing your hard-earned money in a company, you're also – in essence, taking a chance on the person that's running that company is gonna do right by you. And where I'm referring to is something called earnings manipulation. A lot of people get really caught up in the earnings and the growth of the earnings and follow it kinda of like a baseball score. You know, they just they watch it intently and that's really what they base their investing style on is simply on the earnings growth or decline of the company and, and not really look at the other aspects of the business. You know, I think in the future we're going to talk more about this, but there are companies and people that have done some very immoral things trying to raise the share price because that makes them more money because their bonuses are tied on the, increase of the stock price and because the stock market is so emotional like andrew and i have talked about in the past that people will get so excited because company a had a great earnings report and all of a sudden it goes up 22 and people get super excited everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon and it just keeps driving the price up and up and up when in reality something has been done to manipulate that number It may have been done intentionally. It may have done unintentionally. But if it's done intentionally, then they may have done that to manipulate the number so it drives the stock price up, which makes them more money. And that's why, you know, watching the companies and learning as much about the people that run the companies is is as important as the numbers behind the company. And, you know, knowing about some of these things can really, really help you in the future. And that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about tonight.
2: It's kind of a scary thing. It's kind of the ugly part of Wall Street that, I mean, it really did turn a lot of people off, uh, especially in 2008, 2009. But I think it's not something to deter you. Uh, It should be something that we are aware of, understanding that not every stock in the exchanges are doing this. You know, actually, the the way that these statements are audited and and the way everything's regulated by the government, you know, they can't get the post office right, but at least for the most part, they seem to be able to regulate these companies and and make sure that these numbers that they're presenting to the public are audited and accurate for the most part, right? If not completely. So something maybe to keep in mind as an investor is, is maybe keep your... Ears and eyes open. We talked about the three statements, right? The, the cash flow statement, the income statement, and the balance sheet. For example, you brought up Enron, Dave. Uh, I talk about it in my value chart indicator book. Uh, that was a company actually that the way they manipulated their numbers, they were able to make their income statement look really good, but they weren't able to hide how much debt they were loading up on. So even though they were able to, in a sense, manipulate how it, how the numbers worked in one, in one aspect, they weren't able to hide it in the other. That's why it's important to not get so narrow focused. Don't be like a horse with blinders on, on the side and, and just look at one little set of numbers, but look at the whole picture, right? If we have this circle of life, we have this sim- flow of ca- of cash and money. And if one little part of it's broken and then it's all going to leak out, right? So you want to make sure that the whole picture is that you're looking at the whole picture and that's really one big way that you can avoid earnings manipulation another thing i I really don't want to get too technical i honest to god i always try not to get too technical but i can't help myself when when you have revenue uh, revenue is something that's a lot harder to manipulate than earnings because earnings there's a lot of things you can do with it you can say oh well you know, um, I'm paying this employee this much this year and this much that year. And, oh, we have to pay taxes this much this year, this much that year. You can, as an accountant, you can kind of pick and choose in a sense of of where to put those numbers and what years and and things like that. And and it's still legal. But with revenue, you can't do that. It's literally, this is the money that's coming in and, and there's not much wiggle room. So one way that you can mitigate earnings manipulation is to look at revenue. And another way to mitigate any sort of manipulations is to look at the whole picture and see, okay, if there, if, if everything looks kind of nice, but then there's this one thing that they've really mucked up and, and it's really smelly over here. Well, let's sniff that out and let's make sure that the whole thing is solid. These are just kind of some of the things. If, if you're first starting out, try, try to get the basics of this understood so that as you move along, you're not blindly jumping into these things that do trip of investors. Again, it doesn't happen all the time. I haven't heard of any sort of earnings manipulation in years. And you know, obviously, they they tend to kind of all pop up around the same time when all these businesses are crashing and the economy is kind of going through a sort of depression and, and the stock market's in the bear market. Then that's when all this kind of comes to light. But I think that's one way. That's kind of my way is through looking at the whole picture. I think another way too is can evaluate management themselves and use that as a basis to avoid these kind of poor situations where you can get your capital taken away like a Bernie Madoff type of deal just because you didn't do due diligence on where your money is going as far as how it's being used in the stock market. Exactly.
1: No, you're, you're, that was a a great way of, of putting everything. And I think that was really what I was trying to go for when I was talking about that. I certainly wasn't trying to be doom and gloom, (laughs) Uh, but I just, you know, I, I, you know, I do, you know, I do want to make sure people, you know, are looking at the whole picture. And I think that is so, that's so important to look at the whole picture and have a, kind of your eyes open about everything, you know, as, as my basketball coach used to say, you know, dribble with your eyes open and with your head up. And I think that's one of the things when you're thinking about buying a company is making sure that you just, you got all your ducks in a row and you've looked at, you know, you've done your due diligence and you've tried really hard to look at all the aspects that you possibly can and make an informed decision. And that's really what anybody could ever want. And, you know, Andrew is right. There hasn't been any sort of earnings manipulations in in quite some time and hopefully there never will be. But you know, I think it's good for you to always make sure that you're just kind of dribbling with your eyes up, with your eyes open and with your head up.
2: I love that. Um obviously there's so much potential with the stock market and so many things that can be done, so much money to be made on Wall Street. It's it's been done for years. It will continue to be done for decades. But with the ca- important caveat that, yes, be careful. This is serious business. This is your hard-earned cash. And it's not as simple as just throwing money around and being like, oh, well, I like this company uh, or, oh, I, oh I, I use this company every day. Maybe I want to buy that. It's not that simple and it's not as complex as, oh, well, I have to interview management and watch what they're doing from 9 to 5. It, it's somewhere in between that. And so be realistic be optimistic and i think the way you put it or i guess your basketball coach put it is is really great you know dribble and keep your eyes open and your head up yep i agree so
1: i think without uh i think that's going to wrap it up for us for tonight i hope you enjoyed our conversation of going back to the basics and i think andrew did a great job of explaining what a stock is and kind of the the circle of life so to speak with the the big 3 with the earnings the cash flow statement and the assets and balance sheet, the book value. So I think without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. I hope you guys enjoyed our show. You guys have a great week and we'll talk to you next week.
0: We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven steps to understanding the stock market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real life examples. Get access today
2: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW proof. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.